0: Hi everyone, welcome to Crime Science. In this podcast, we aim to explore the science of crime and the practical application of the science for loss prevention and asset protection practitioners as well as other professionals. We would like to thank Bosch for making this episode possible. Use Bosch Camera's onboard intelligent video analytics to quickly locate important recorded incidents or events. Bosch's forensic search saves you time and money by searching through hours or days of video within minutes to find and collect video evidence. Learn more about intelligent video analytics from Bosch in zones one through four of LPRC's zones of influence by visiting Bosch online at boschsecurity.com.
1: Welcome, everybody, to another crime science episode in the COVID-19 series. Um, I'm joined by Tony D'Afrio and Tom Meehan and our producer, Kevin Tran. Um, so what we're going to do is a quick round the horn, as per usual, and uh, talk about what uh, the LPRC and other research is going on. Uh, to support retailers and their solution partners, and um, their reopening and march forward, um, and then we'll talk about what's going on around the globe, and then what to look for as far as protecting yourself and your business, your family uh, during these especially trying times. Um, but what we're going to be doing right now is I'll get a take a quick run through what's going on with the uh, 2020 LPRC Impact Conference. Always the first week in October every year and has been for I believe 17 years now Um, and so we've got of course 12 sessions have been mentioned before Um, we're leaving the main guest presentation open right now because everything is so dynamic Um, and the beauty is that that will probably uh, as will all or most of the conference be digital um, or virtual if you will Um, and so we have the luxury of time uh, since that person will not have to saddle up and uh, travel into Gainesville and, and so on and have to have a much longer lead time. Um, but we're going to be having uh, a particular panel right now on uh, retail before, during, and after uh, the pandemic strike. Um, uh, we've got, it looks like three speakers. I'm not going to call them out right now, um, but they're going to be uh, retailers that have been, uh, been dealing with it from de- three different perspectives, uh, a company who all their stores remained open and uh, those that their stores uh, remain closed. Uh, and then another that um, had kind of a mixture of both, uh, even though all the above are charging full steam ahead now at this point. Um, but to get the perspectives um, and deep dives, really deep dives into what that looks like and what the, the implications are for their strategies going forward, their relationships within their corporations, how their APLP teams are, um, their, what their org charts and responsibilities, their skill sets and knowledge, the data sets and other uh, decision-making tools that they need to have available um, going forward uh, through what we've learned and are learning every single day here. We're gonna, have, we're gonna go back to the, our offender base um, as normal, we're going to have a couple of retailers working with one of our researchers on um, how retail offenders are using social media, uh, never more than now, um, to communicate and share uh, some of the things that we're doing in that area of research um, that uh, we were not only able to continue but even ramp up during this period. Um, another another one will be, a session will be around Uh, Together through research. And what we'd like to do is go through and highlight some of the research that was accomplished in 2020, why, uh, how, what it means. Uh, And then with an eye toward 2021, we like to really tap into and talk with our membership about all right, based on where we are now, but where we think everything's heading, what's that going to look like? Uh, We're going to have learning lab breakouts uh, on the impact of face mask research that we're conducting right now. Um, and we're looking at uh, how the masking is, of course, um, enabling offenders to do things and do uh, in places and times that they weren't before, and ways that, that, that we're working to counter that. Um, so, both through research and through experience in the field, and then tying those two together into learning loops. Um, the fear of crime, uh, uh, what's going on with that? And um, we identified, of course, like everybody else, three months ago that. Uh, we needed to add to our secure experience or safe and secure R&D cluster a lot around the infections uh, as we were trying to continue to attract and reattract the green shopper, the person we want there. Um, and so we're looking at all the no low touch and so forth um, and uh, what these different things mean and masking and other behaviors that people are picking up on and, um, I've I've mentioned before some of the artificial intelligence, computer vision, uh, R&D that we're involved with, uh, some of the UF engineering faculty and computer science faculty, and some of the large companies and and medium-sized companies are out there uh, that everybody will know and love that are AI people. Um, And we're going to leverage the relationship that uh, NVIDIA has created an unprecedented relationship by providing um, several of these, the largest, most powerful uh, artificial intelligence computing A2 um, systems to tack on the Hypergator, the, the supercomputer here, um, as well as providing uh, a smaller, very powerful box um, to the LPRC. Um, so we'll work on that a little bit. Uh, some more around uh, active deterrence technologies that are still going to be very critical uh, now and going forward. Uh, In the zone one, two, three space, in other words, in the interior, uh, the the proximate or near a shelf or display area, and of course, the item or product itself, uh, or that peg, for example. Um, Some things that we've been working on, uh, some things around detecting deviance um, through video analytics, Um, again, leveraging some of the AI on the edge, in this case, before we're talking about off-prem or off-premises, computing or Uh, box edge. Now we're talking about camera edge uh, type of computing. We'll be looking at uh, continuity plans and linking in uh, the partners in the business that looking at all the things and what were some of the weak and and not so weak points and lessons learned there. Um, And so we'll be taking a look at that. Uh, We've been already, as everybody knows, I've discussed before, we were looking at UVB and A-lighting for precluding Um, obviously on-site injection, unlawful or illicit injections that were happening in the restrooms, creating havoc and in some cases leaving uh, people, deceased people on the premises. Um, And then looking at extending that to sort of antibacterial. Now, of course, we're looking at antiviral and uh, UVC and near UVC and so forth. So some of the research going on around that. We're also doing a little more of a deep dive into offender decision making. And what those what it looks like is they ideate uh, alone or together, and as they start to plan, and then as they initiate, and uh, what that looks like: searching, uh, or consolidating, arming up, um, collaborating, and things like that. So that's just a little bit of a taste of what'll be happening. I mentioned before on the LPRC Innovate side how the advisory panel. Um, strongly urge us to, to roll quickly on a rapid research research or R3 initiative. Um, so where we are right now with the curbside pickup component of that, that's part of smart transaction, which is uh, buy, pickup, return, and so on, um, both in store uh, at the curbside and so on. How do we better orchestrate that for um, not only infection safety, but person versus uh, vehicle, um, conflict and deconflict. So that is underway. Uh, we're getting ready to expand that from the one giant store that we've got with some Bosch uh, edge computing going on to elsewhere. Um, now that we've learned a little bit about how to do that and how to get some uh, low-tech solutions to look at the design and layout of that area itself and then see what the response is. What do we see in movements of vehicle changes Uh, changes of workers, changers of uh, the changes in behavior of customers. Um, The low no-touch is also critical, whether it's curbside or inside. Um, And so what does that look like? And so in in this case, conferring with um, some of the uh, companies that work on credit card transaction the actual SCO or self-checkout machines and, and so forth. And we had a couple of calls around that last week uh, as we continue deep planning to move rapidly um, the inside return policies. And this comes back a little bit to the UVC lights and things that we'll be talking about at Impact the first week in October. So um, what does that look like as far as returning, uh, particularly apparel, apparel that's been in fitting rooms and if uh, people are trying things on and off and it's passing of uh, course, paths and touching their mouths and noses and things like that. Uh, so how do we do these things the right way? Um, and some of the other pathogen spread reduction initiatives. So um, a little bit about that. We'll have a cluster of three for the retailers. Um, those set of calls coming up in about a week and a half, um, where we're now talking about emerging and getting better. Um, so look for, look for those calls and then the reporting coming out of that. Um, As well as uh, a continued uptick in the amount of crime science podcast episodes that we put out there. um, And then a a webinar that's under development here at the LPRC. So remember to lpresearch.org. We've got a COVID 19 landing page that we keep fresh and up to date daily. um, And we're always trying to put as much material, useful and credible material out as we can. So um, I want to thank everybody for listening and go over to Tony D'Onofrio. Tony, let's talk about what's going on.
2: Thank you very much, Reed. So I, as usual, there's a lot of data uh, going on around the world. So I'll start with the updated forecast as of um, uh, May 20th in terms of the different sectors. So grocery still expected to be up 11.5% this year. Drug 10.7%, supercenters 125 What's interesting uh, this week is that they actually lowered the forecast for mass merchandisers They were initially projected to be up 12%. Now the projection is for them to be up 6.6%. The tough sectors are still, uh, department stores are going to be down 29%. Especially soft goods are going to be down 21. Restaurants are going to be down 25. And convenience stores are going to be down 7.5%. Of interest to me this week from the IHL group was actually uh, when they talked about uh, what happened during the, the lockdown in terms of wealth. Transfer and this was new data. So during the lockdown, uh, basically we transferred from uh, general merchandise and hospitality 125 billion in North America to food and drug and mass merchandiser, and worldwide it was 285 billion. So that's how much wealth was transferred between those sectors. And then also very interesting is because a lot of states de- designated who was a Who was essential, who was not. There was also a heavy transfer of wealth from small companies to large companies. So the estimated uh, transfer of wealth for North America from small companies to large company was $250 billion. That's a very large sum. CNBC this week also uh, had some interesting data in terms of uh, how much malls depend on uh, retailers that are now struggling. So 14 of the 20 largest mall tenants are either apparel or department stores. And of the 117 million square feet of retail square footage in the US, four companies that have filed for bankruptcy occupy 75.2 million or 64.5%. So those four retailers really, um, it gives you an idea of what's happening to malls and what it will take for malls to come back. Also, this past week, Alibaba in China released their earnings for Q1 2020, and they were, again, very uh, healthy. Uh, their revenue grew 35%. They now have active worldwide, a customer base of 960 million people. Of interest to me, which I've been tracking this a lot, and actually there's several articles that I and, uh, and another podcast that have come out, they, they actually use a lot, uh, a concept called live streaming. And live streaming, think about QVC network, but on steroids, with a lot of uh, entertainment, with a lot of live. We're actually calling out uh, your follower with celebrities and micro-influencers pushing out retail. And that concept really thrived during the pandemic uh, for that quarter that, I, that Alibaba just reported. They own uh, Taobao. It was up 88%. Uh, also interesting to me that the expansion that Alibaba is doing in their, uh, in their fresh uh, supermarkets or supermarkets uh, chain, they did extremely well. And 60% of the revenue uh, that those supermarkets filled was actually from online orders. So it gives you an idea again, in terms of how important stores are in terms of fulfillment centers. And you'll see that again here in, in another second in some other areas. Interesting, also this week was an update on uh, facial recognition and what is happening with facial recognition around the world in terms of number of countries that have adopted and so on. So right now, facial recognition is in use in 98 countries around the world. It's, a, it's been approved but not implemented in 12. It's being considered in another 13. There's no evidence of use in 66. And uh, three countries have banned it. And this is all from visual capitalists. A 2016 study said that about half of USA adults were capturing some kind of facial recognition network um, when they did the analysis. Um, Homeland Security plans to use the technology on all travel by 2023. And then there was a Pew Research study that said that 59% of Americans are in favor of implementing the tech, considering it's acceptable for law enforcement. So uh, that gives you an idea in terms of the growth. And actually that's one of the things that I'll be publishing at today is an update on facial recognition. Target also came out with their earnings. Again, they were very strong because they were one of the essentials retailers. Digital online sales were up to uh, 33%. And again, they leveraged heavily their stores for fulfillment. So again, it gives you the importance uh, that I of stores and physical stores in terms of the, the mix in terms of online versus offline. For target stores fulfilled 80% of the digital sales in April. Uh, also interesting to me that there were more than 5 million that used curbside retailer, we just talked about it. Curbside it, to me is one of those areas that's gonna explode going forward. Um, and 40% of, the, of, those, of those 5 million were used it for the first time. So again, it gives you an idea these new services that are gonna emerge in the new normal, are gonna grow and curbside retail is gonna be one of the most important. And Walmart actually reinforced that. I already talked about Walmart sales being up also for the quarter, but they grew the number, Walmart grew the number of new customers trying their pickup and delivery service at the curb by 4X since uh, mid-March. So it's, again, very, very important, these new services. Uh, sticking with Walmart, uh, the Wall Street Journal talked about uh, this week in terms of uh, how, again, uh, the, C- the CEO of the Americas, John Furners, talked about how the stores were very, very critical in terms of fulfilling goods. And the fastest growing group that Walmart saw an online pickup for shoppers is customers over 50, which again gives you an idea that we're crossing generations. We're no longer... Uh, it's no longer the younger folks. actually all generations are looking at these new services, which tells you again that some of these new habits will stick going forward. Uh, Also some new data on Fresh Insight in terms of how consumers are changing. 48% of consumers need a 30% discount or more to make a retail uh, purchase. And what's interesting is that 30% or more is now being reflected also in luxury where luxury really was isolated. And luxury is a sector that needs uh, retail sales to come back. And all this data is from First Insight. Bain is projecting that personal luxury goods market could be contract 20 to 35% this year. And I'm going to close on a couple uh, uh good news. One is that um, the number of closed stores is way down. In fact, the latest data published as of May 24th by Global Data, uh, closed stores are down to $104,000 or 25% of total re- total retail stores. Uh, there's about 90,000 stores plus that are open with severe restriction, but retail is coming back. Uh, last week, also, I did a, a webinar with the Loss Prevention Foundation that talked about a lot of these trends and where we go next. And you'll see a lot, lot more of that in the future and I'll be updating that at the retail crime summit, global retail crime summit, that uh, the LPRC is also participating in it. So that's a little bit in terms of what's happening around the world. Let me hand it over to Tom. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Reed.
3: So I'm gonna just uh, briefly go through some of the risk related to cyber and uh, information and technology. And the first one is we continue to see Uh, an increase of data breaches reported related to COVID-19. As more folks are working from home, uh, the data is being exposed in ways it wasn't before. Um, I just remind everybody to be vigilant and uh, pay extra special attention to those emails and text messages you're getting. The Ohio Ohio State um, Unemployment Department of Labor Services did uh, release that they did have a data breach. Uh, The breach was large in data nature, but the exposure was limited in that they caught it very quickly. Uh, They actually report that only a handful of people actually saw the data. This was an error um, as opposed to a hack where data was left unexposed. So this is um, a uh, a very prevalent thing that's occurring now throughout the United States and really throughout the globe where there is a, just a plethora of information available. So uh, as you're continuing to use online shopping, uh, just communicating with your friends online, just pay, uh, pay special attention to anything that seems outside the norm. Uh, Microsoft uh, has released uh, some information about a phishing Slash uh, so malware specific related to Excel. There's an Excel email with an Excel document saying that it's coming from Johns Hopkins Center uh, University, really, you know, related to uh, engineering. And there, there's some email notifications with some information about COVID 19. This is malware. This was widely pushed out in the last five to seven days. Um, and it was reported heavily uh, right now it's still out in the wild. So again, the reminder of if you get an email, if you get a text message, you don't recognize that center. Take the extra 30 seconds to figure out what it is before you click on something. Um, this is continuing. This is going to continue to be a challenge. Uh, we, we talked about um, text messages and phone calls related to contract tracing. And here's the, the challenge that will occur now is um, there is a host of hackers and scammers out there sending emails and text messages about contact tracing looking like it's from a municipality or a state government. Uh, Most of them are not real. New York State uh, over the weekend actually released some public information that they will be using text message and phone uh, related to contact tracing. So, Here becomes the challenge uh, with all of these things that occurred during a scam like this. The bad guys have taken, you know, the the advantage of the situation and really went out and uh, put a whole bunch of misinformation to try to steal information. Now you have states using the same methodology to actually gather information. So New York State was one that really went out, publicly, said the phone number it was coming from, said the information they're coming from. So this this is just a, a part of the times. And what I would say is that, You need to do take that extra special step to make sure that the information that you're getting is accurate and don't give information out, get information in. If you do get a phone call from someone and it does feel authentic or real, remember, don't give them information, gather that information and do your research. So uh, with everything that's going on and states are opening up uh, right now, uh, actually California Uh, gave permission to open most results, we're going to have to change the way we think about this and just take a little bit more time to validate whether this information is real. And I use New York State as an example because... If you are called by a contract tracer and it is valid, you do really want to take that call. So you're going to have to really spend some time, Google, take a look at what's valid, what's not. And a good rule of thumb is don't give out personal information when you do get that call. Someone's calling you to contact you. You don't need to give them a whole bunch of personal information. You can take that information, you can jot it down and you can do your research later. That's a good rule of thumb. Anytime you get a call or a text message requesting for information is gather the information, don't give any information back. It, you know, um, all these contract traces aren't going to be asking for a whole bunch of personal information. They're really going to be calling you and, and setting up a, a process to run through. Online shopping continues to be on the rise. And with that um, continues to be uh, fake or scam websites that are being put up to gather personal information. So, uh, it feels like every week there's hundreds of thousands of websites being built around shopping. Uh, this is not a, a, a new type of ch- uh, activity. It's just heightened by the online activity. So when you're doing your online shopping, there's kind of some general rules of thumb. If the deal is too good to be true, it's too good to be true. It's not real. Um, there was a, a whole host of electronic deals over the weekend at prices that were obscenely low, 90% off of MSRP. Uh, these are fly-by websites. They come up, they get, they take your funds, and they disappear. They're generally housed overseas, so there is no recourse for you. Uh, and in some cases, uh, depending on how the payments are made, you don't have that same protection that you would um, from a regular credit card transaction or standard online sale. Uh, if, if it doesn't make sense, it probably isn't real. That's kind of the rule To follow, you know, you're not going to buy a thousand dollar item for ten dollars or a hundred dollars. That's not that's not normal. And I think you just need to take extra special time. One of the things, a quick easy thing to do is to do some research, quick Google to see how long the website has been in business. If the website's a day or two old, there's there's a pretty good chance that you have a problem when you're running there. Fifty seven percent of folks surveyed have said that they are, have a heightened level of awareness with online shopping. So all of the education awareness is getting out there. There are multiple studies, uh, more than 50%, and all of them say that they're aware of it. But on the same token, they're also aware of the fact that they're limited in how they shop. That leads me to my last, my, my next points and kind of my final point. Points, uh, porch piracy is up, um, as we probably all suspected. As we continue to buy things online, people are taking advantage by just uh, going in and grabbing those packages off the porch. Uh, there's been a whole bunch of information. I know Reed and the LPRC um, has done a few things on it. I know that we had a podcast in the past about it. Um, but with the the uh, increase of online uh, shipments, the porch piracy is up. The other thing that um, was reported over the weekend in, uh, throughout the United States was an increase in uh, cars being broken into. Um, and this is an interesting one because it was... Um, pretty widely and and, and pretty widely reported throughout the country of people uh, opening doors and taking advantage of this. This is kind of the reverse. You're at home all the time. So in the middle of the night, someone drives through, you tend to leave your door open. You tend to kind of to, uh, to get lax on some of those habits. So it's just a reminder to, to close and lock your doors. I know that that's kind of a given, but I think now more than ever when people are not using their cars, they're not as cognizant to that. Um, so it's just a, a huge
1: increase there uh, running through. And that is all I have this week. Over to you, Reed. Thank you very much, Tom. Always good advice. Um, well done. And it is interesting about the, the car or vehicle. We just aren't using them as much right now and there probably is that tendency well let me go grab something out of it or another family member maybe grabs something out of the car and forgets to lock it so or thinks the other person did Tony good stuff from you as well Um, so I want to thank everybody everybody continue to remain safe wash both hands um, and please let us know any and everything that you would like to hear from the LPRC uh, whether it be for an event a webinar a session a crime science podcast episode So from Gainesville and on behalf of Tony D'Onofrio, Tom, Ian, and Kevin Tran, stay safe. This is Crime Science.
0: Thanks for listening to the Crime Science Podcast presented by the Loss Prevention Research Council and sponsored by Bosch Security. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find more Crime Science episodes and valuable information at lpresearch.org. The content provided in the Crime Science Podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for legal, financial, or other advice. Views expressed by guests of the Crime Science Podcast are those of the authors and do not reflect the opinions or positions of the U.S. Prevention Research Council.